What defines a church? What makes each church unique? What makes McGregor unique? We'll stick around and we'll talk about that and a whole lot more on this preseason edition of Here at Home. Welcome to the Here at Home podcast, a podcast about the people here at McGregor, their stories, their ministry, and their love for Jesus. My name is Mark Brigger, your host for the Here at Home podcast. And joining me on today's podcast, Russell Howard. Hey, Brother Mark. It is good to be back on Here at Home. Yeah, glad to have you back on Here at Home. <laughs> Work the brand in as often as we as possibly often. can. There. Yes. Still waiting for those coffee mugs that are branded with it. Here at Home. Logo. I know people. You know people? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mentioned that this is a pre-service, no, pre-season podcast. That too. Yeah. Yeah, preseason, because we start our season, regular season, in just a few weeks. Okay. With episode one coming out, but this is before the regular so season. This is started. the previously unheard of episode zero. zero. This is for the insiders. Yes, insiders. Yes. But we're doing this preseason, said it right this time, preseason <laughs> podcast, because we had something very timely we wanted to get out. Sure. And so back to the topic of the podcast. Uh, about what makes a church unique. Just recently, in fact, our most recent member meeting as of mm-hmm. this recording, mm-hmm. uh, you had a chance to give a, a little bit of a preview about of our church's new purpose statement. Right. And also following that up on Sunday uh, was a video also that got pushed out to social media mm-hmm. that also talked about this new purpose statement also. But both of them very short. I mean... You, you know, a three-minute video, and maybe you took five minutes at the member meeting? I think they gave me six, and I don't think I ran out the clock, which is extraordinarily unusual yes, for me. Yes, yes, And so here we have all this, um, this new stuff coming out and a very short amount of time so far given to it. So we thought, yeah. what better place to go a little bit deeper on this purpose statement than here at Home Podcast, where we can sit here and talk as long as we want, where there is no shot clock, there is no timer. It's a magical place. We can. We. I don't know if our listeners want us to go forever, but <laughs> but we will go as long as needed. This is the this. stuck in traffic commuting version of the right. podcast today, which this happens is not a lot. The quick drive uh, home version happens a lot in the in the winter time here in uh, Southwest Florida. All right, so let's let's start with the obvious because I just mentioned, and you also said this at the member meeting, and. Uh, that this is a, a new purpose statement. So does that mean we had an old purpose statement? No. Um, there have been, you and I have both been here. You've been here a little bit longer than I have. Just a year or two. Yeah, yeah this, this coming summer will be 20 years for me. And I think, I think the church has had two or three different sort of iterations and versions of, of uh, sort of packaged up verbiage mm-hmm. um, da- down the years. We have not since uh, our, our significant transitional period, 2015, 2016, that brought us uh, into this sort of current period of the life of the church. Mm-hmm. We have not pursued developing a purpose statement. Uh, we've had lots of lots of other things to do and lots of, frankly, uh, lots of other verbiage to work on. Um, 
So no, it doesn't really replace anything specifically. Yeah, if you were to ask a church member what's the uh, the purpose statement, we'd probably get as many different answers as church members we ask, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we really would. Or, or or some would say, you know, there's there's not there's not been one because right. in their history with the church, there's not been there's one. not been one, right? Yeah. Exactly. So what was the genesis of 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 this one coming about? <laughs> this is a fun this is a fun conversation. One of the one of the joys of of McGregor, one of the uniquenesses of McGregor is McGregor is led by uh, 15? 16. 16 today. Wow. Uh, 16 elders uh, that are all of us, you included, Brother Mark, you are as much a pastor of McGregor as I am. There, there, there's, a, there's a little uniqueness to the lead pastor role, but by design, there's not like this, it's, it's not me and 15 guys, it's 16 guys. And, and uh, I believe that's what the New Testament models, that's what that's what God has designed for the the on earth leadership of of, of His church, the shepherding of His right. church. A consequence of that is not every really good idea, not every significant step, not every uh, plan, idea, or even vision is going to rise from within my head. Uh, I am not the pastor of McGregor. I'm one of many, and right. that's a good good thing. Right. Uh, many of our elders have have desired that we develop some sort of purpose statement really for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not been something that I've had top of mind. It's not anything that that um, you know I've opposed tooth and nail, but I've made no secret of the fact that I was I was a little resistant because I've seen some pitfalls associated with purpose statements in churches. Uh, I've seen churches function pretty well without them. That's not to say that I'm against purpose statements. I'm here, and I'm glad to be here, and I'm thrilled that we have this that we've uh, put in place. What are some of the pitfalls you mentioned? Man, that's, a, that's a kind question. Um, I, I, I can think of three right off right off the bat. First, because uh, <laughs> we want to learn, you know, we don't want to. Sure, sure. We don't. Yeah, we don't want to. We don't want to fall into these. Right. Um, this is going to sound funny for people that are way younger than me. Um, I, I consider them trendy. Now that's interesting because it's a it's a trend that that began in the mid '90s. Hmm. So if you're you know if you're 30 <laughs> years old, it's trendy from before your lifetime. Right. So you would say, at what point is it not merely trendy? Um, uh, Rick Warren, uh, who is a, a pastor on the West Coast, wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Church in that was published in 1995. And you would be hard pressed to find any church purpose statement from pre-1995. Warren wrote his book, and suddenly churches had to have purpose statements. They existed in corporate America right. for a long, long time, probably a product of not long after the Industrial Revolution, but they were, they were not uh, a feature of church life. Um, so when something is as new as 1995, my tendency is to hang around and see if it sticks. We'll call it trendy. <laughs> it's like this internet thing. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. We'll see. <laughs> Still early. <laughs> so a little... But, so what that does for me is uh, they 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 purpose statements for churches can be beneficial. They can even be important. Uh, they are not essential. Hmm. They're a, they're a helpful tool, but uh, a whole lot of Christian history happened before churches had purpose statements. So I want to be careful that I, while we talk about even the benefits of ours, it's not essentiality. The second thing is sometimes they're they're just painfully generic. You know, just as a thought exercise, you could you could take twenty five or thirty randomly selected uh, church purpose statements in some places, and twenty five or thirty randomly selected churches, and 
put the, uh, put the purpose statements in a hat, put the names of the churches in a hat, shake them up, and match them. And except for the plaque on the wall, nobody would have to change anything. They don't actually drill down into the, the heart and soul. Often, they That's don't true. drill down into the heart and soul of the church that they purport to define the purpose for. Mm. Um, so, so and, and none of us need one more set of generic verbiage that we're expected to sort of staple into our available brain space. Uh, and then, and then the third one, and this is probably the, has been the major sticking point for me, and one of the uh, the characteristics of our own purpose statement that pleases me so much. At the end of the day, I would I would hold pretty passionately that a that a created thing uh, inherits its purpose from its creator. It does not declare it itself. Right. You uh you don't you don't get to say you know if if you if you start the. I don't know, the, the Mark Bricker hot dog truck, if you decide to get into the food truck business, and, and now there's going to be a Mark Bricker hot dog Organic truck. hot dog. Yeah, Mark Bricker, organic. Uh, would they be vegan? No. No, okay, so no. they're going to be real hot dogs. Grass-fed beef, though. Okay, grass-fed beef. Okay, so the purpose of the Mark Bricker hot dog truck is to bring high-quality meat products to a consumer, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and you can write that. Yeah. You are the creator, sub-creator, because God ultimately is the creator of all things, but you are the legitimate sub-creator of the, of the Mark Bricker hot dog truck, and you have every right to, to articulate why you have brought this food truck into existence. You can legitimately author the purpose statement. The problem with a church that would sit around and say, we get to say why we're here. We get to define our own purpose. Mark, I, uh, that, that flirts with insurrection. Um, Romans 9.20, uh, shall, shall that which is formed say to the one who formed it, why have you made me this way? Well, the implication of that question is you really don't get to ask that question. Uh, jokingly, but almost not. Uh, the very first purpose statement is Satan saying, I shall be like the most high. And of course that ended, or well, it hasn't ended yet, but it's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. So the, the purpose statement for the church cannot be a new definition of why the church exists. God's already established that. Brother, yeah, it's above our pay grade. What it can be is in large part an acknowledgement back to our creator. Thank, thank you, Lord, for helping us see clearly why we're here. Right. We do not consider ourselves. We may be the authors of this statement. We are certainly not the authors of this purpose. Right. And that's a for me. That's a very very important. That's a conviction deep. Um, and most people don't think that deeply about a purpose statement yeah. or a mission statement. But I get exactly what you're saying, and that makes perfect sense as well. That yeah. we don't get to determine what our God given purpose. No, we is really don't. As individuals or as a church. No, we don't. Uh, we we accept that. From our Creator, right. and are and are and are blessed to understand it at its best. And I pray our purpose statement does this. It echoes back to our Lord that we do affirm that we know why we're here, and and then here are some particulars that will help us sort of stay on meaningful rails uh, right. as we as we live that out. What are what are some of the things that a statement like this? Can bring to the church. Why would it be important for us to have a, a purpose statement? You know, you you led during your intro, and I even I even scrabbled quickly to write it down because I thought it was really really worth grabbing. What makes what makes a church unique? Um, we are blessed in 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 Southwest Florida where we are. Uh, 
to have to have many uh, very functional, very effective sister churches. Some align very closely with us theologically. Some would have some notable differences theologically, but at the end of the day are still gospel-proclaiming uh, salvation by grace through faith churches, which we would we would embrace as sister churches, though they might not be our denominational stripe. Um, it is not a bad thing for us to uh, be able to, not combatively, but clearly articulate our own distinctiveness mm-hmm. as a church. Um, that, 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 that this church over here is fantastic at this. This is what they do. This is how they pursue uh, ultimately the mission that the Lord has assigned to all churches. This church is pursuing it in this way and that by these means and methods. Uh, our church is pursuing it this way right. by these means and methods. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. You and I both live to glorify Jesus. But but um, Macy would not want to be married to me, and Gail would not want to be married to you. Though the the heart of our life's reason for being here is all but interchangeable. Right. The manner in which we have tackled it down the years looks very very different. Yeah, I shared with you. Uh, I think it was a week or two ago. I had met somebody, and they had told me what church they were attending. I'd invite them to come to our church, and they told me. So I looked. I'd never heard of their church, so I looked it up online. It's a local church here, and. Just looking through their webpage, they began to talk about things that they valued, and I thought, this tells me a lot about who this church is based on things that are a priority for them. And it was a, a kind of a unique identifier in the sense that if somebody was looking for a church that valued those things... And they still had their doctrinal statement was very similar to ours, yeah. but yet a very different type church. Yeah, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, salvation by grace through faith is non-negotiable. Uh, the worship of Christ is non-negotiable. There, there are sort of Nicene Creed level non-negotiables that are in place, but, but approaches and distinctives can legitimately vary. Yeah. Now, we've been talking about the purpose statement, but we've not actually read the purpose statement. All right. So, uh, would would you like to read it, or would you like me to read it? All right, let me get it. Let me get it to the bifocal sweet bifocal sweet spot here. And yes, I should have it memorized by now. But as as you and I have lived through some revision, <laughs> yes, what I find is not that I don't have it memorized. I have four different versions of it memorized, and they all get tangled up in my head. So let me read. By God's grace, we desire to glorify Him by magnifying His Word to develop disciples who think biblically, live missionally. Give generously and love sacrificially. Yeah. Now, I'm going to ha- ask you to break it down in just a minute. Before we do that, though, you mentioned the different uh, versions of yeah. this. Part of that was the process of going through the elders. But let's back up and, and, and talk about how that process happened, about how it got to the elders. Absolutely. And- um, when when the, the process first began rolling, uh, the elders... Uh, did ask me, you know, I, I uh, early, earlier I alluded to the fact that I'm one of 16 and I'm glad, but there is a, I believe it's even worded this way in the Constitution, there's a little bit of a first among, e- among equals thing when it comes to sort of navigation level thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that I, I, I throw weight around, I pray, doesn't mean that I'm trying to impose anything that's uniquely Russell, that would be, well, nightmarish. <laughs> But someone has to start the drafting process, and I was blessed first to, to to have the duty to do that. But then, Mark, and as you well know, you and Brother Chad Moore uh, spent hours with me uh, in 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 my office around the the table there, 
just chipping away, um, allowing me to sometimes go stream of conscience over you know what what matters, pointing out things like for example the the, the give generously uh, measure that's in here. Uh, I think it was Chad that said, you know, you talk about a lot of things, but there aren't that many things that you talk about literally every Sunday that you preach. Yeah. And and the joyful generosity and the importance mm-hmm. of generosity is not just because there's a love offering, I mean, a, an offering slot in the order of worship. That is a profoundly held value. Mm-hmm. Um, and so allowing, allowing those things that have sort of uh, come to be a little bit reflected in the personality of our church during during this era in the life of our church and and playing with you know this list of four measures that we ha- we have easily could have been 25 mm-hmm. uh, for me it could almost be the one of, of thinking biblically because I think so much descends from that but to come to this list um, there was a there were a lot of hours and then a uh, couple or three now I think successive elder meetings, where we have we have literally at first put it on the whiteboard and, mm-hmm. and played with you know this word as opposed to this word and looked at different possible yeah. measures uh, that could be yeah. added or and, and allowed change yeah uh, I I believe what we have today is 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 honestly and fairly reflective of the collective thinking of the whole elder body and I even would go so far as to say it's it's reflective of values that this congregation mm-hmm. has already demonstrably embraced the intent here is not revolutionary this is not forget everything you know it's a bold new day at McGregor it's just not that right. but these um, this is this is a helpful articulation for this this chapter in our church's life of the things that we we wish to we do hold dear and wish to all the more intentionally Hold dear. Right. Now, at the member meeting uh, and also on the video, you broke this statement into three parts, as you love to do. They're alliterated. (laughs) That's Uh, mental illness, but yeah, I do. So the first part, the mission or the purpose. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. The Again, I would would gently suggest um, that if a church is to be a church functioning under the authority of the Lord Jesus, that its its, uh, foundational mission must always be rooted in the glory of God. All created things exist. You know, the Pacific Ocean exists for the glory of God, and the smallest gear in my watch exists for the glory of God, and the head cold I had three weeks ago exists for the glory of God. All things exist for the glory of God. So if we're going to start articulating back to our Creator the why we're here, it is wise of us to acknowledge that we, we, we're after most of all the glory of God. And then for the church, the church does not glorify God in the same way the Pacific Ocean does. The church glorifies God by making disciples. Of all the, the language in the Great Commission, uh, for this, this next few minutes is for you grammar nerds. Um, <laughs> going is a participle. Uh, baptizing is a participle. Teaching is a participle. Make disciples is an imperative. Mm -hmm. The Great Commission is a command to make disciples with some supportive uh, participles to to, to say how that's done, what that looks like. So the the church, any biblically legitimate church, exists for the glory of God to make disciples. That is the mission of the church. Um, And so we we enfold that in ours by by saying that we we desire to glorify him to develop disciples. I would argue that if we if we miss that, what we're doing is is down the path of of saying we get to decide why we're here, and I just I, that would be dangerous. So the mission of the church is to glorify 
her, her head, her author, her, her, her creator, Jesus, in the making of disciples. Yeah. And that's the two, two of those parts in that opening sentence. That's exactly right. We have captured that right. language as a pair of infinitives right. in, our, in our sort of preambulatory right. statement. And in the middle between those is the phrase, by magnifying his word. Right. Uh, what I have called the means. The means. How shall we make disciples to the glory of God? We shall make disciples by keeping God's word and its central message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, absolutely at front and center. Uh, so what do we mean by magnify? Uh, you know, this is, one of those, this is one of those conversations we had in the elder meeting. And, and if people could just listen in, some people would be fascinated and some people would say, boy, you guys strain at gnats. Uh, we, we, we played with both magnify and amplify. You remember? Mm -hmm. Amplify means make something louder so you hear it more clearly. Magnify means make something look bigger so you see it more clearly. But at the end of the day, they, they both serve the same purpose, right. to, to cause it to be prominent, to cause it to be uh, made more clear. Mm -hmm. And so we, we went with magnify, which is terrific. Both were, either word would have served, but magnify, we're, we are going to uh, keep God's word in the central place as we, as we clarify it, teach it, explain it. Our, our worship, our corporate worship, is subservient to the place the Word of God occupies in the life of our church. I praise God that we don't have to deal with a music ministry that likes to sing things that aren't true, um, because I have seen those music ministries, and I praise God for, for Ryan and all whom he lead, have their commitment to the Word of God. All of the ministries of the church have to um, exist in light of uh, the Word of God and its central message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, or they're just not legitimate. And most people that have been around McGregor for a little while see that already in our- Absolutely. Again, this is not, this is not revolutionary. Yeah. This, is the, this is the entire history of this church. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're blessed in, in this age to have all the way back to, to Pastor Holbrook yep. uh, as, as an active participating member of our church. Yep. And his his still love, teaching some and life still groups teaching and, yeah and 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 he doesn't have to flinch when we talk about the place the word of God has in the life of this church he can he can sit back and go yup mm. I think he came in the like late 60s. 68 uh, Richard Powell was a teacher of God's word right um, everything he did was was grounded and rooted in Scripture so the the centrality of God's word is not a revolutionary message here no and and, and thankfully it isn't yeah. And if anything, I think we have, even over the last few years, even elevated that more and prioritized that even more. I pray so. Yeah. Um, and again, not that you, I, I hate to compare, but it's just it. You hear people, why? Why are you coming to McGregor because of the teaching? Yeah. The, yeah. It's, you hear that is being. You know, it wasn't that long ago, uh, Brother Mark, and you were part of the team that, that that participated in this. Man, we we we. And I couldn't believe when the teaching team said we were going to do this. It's some of the hardest preparatory work I've done in years. We taught through a minor prophet on Sunday morning who in their right mind takes on the book of Amos verse by verse on Sunday morning. I'll tell you who, people who are committed to uh, magnifying using the word. the word of God as a magnifying the word of God for the purpose of making disciples. Yeah. Because Amos is in there and has, by the way, has quite a lot to say. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've got the mission, the means, yeah. now we get to the measures. Right. And here is where I believe we get back to the, you know, jokingly said earlier that you and I glorify God in different specific ways as we express 
this, this huge core of commonly held belief mm-hmm. nonetheless finds expression different ways in, in the lives of all, all sorts of God's different people. Same with his churches. And it, I believe it is within the, 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 the providence of God, but within the stewardship of a church to say, well, here are the ways that we feel most equipped and most passionate about how we're going to express kind of what that, what that biblically subservient disciple-making process is, is going to look like here, how it's going to express itself. And how we're going to measure how we're doing. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and how, can we, how can we probe around on how those things are going? All right, so let's look, let's look through each of these uh, a little bit slower. The first one, as you said, could be perhaps in your mind the only one, but think, <laughs> think biblically. Yeah. Think, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, the Word of God claims for itself to, to teach us everything we need to know for a, a Christ-honoring life, for life and godliness, according to 2 Timothy 3. Um, it, it continues sometimes. I'm going to state this a little bit as a negative, but I, I, I think I can, I can come back around to positive. It, it surprises me in an ongoing way when, when, uh, when a, a, a counselee, as has happened, uh, comes into my office and sits down and says, I, I, I think I might have married the wrong woman, and the uh, the lady that I'm flirting with at work really does seem to understand me more than my wife does, and I'm just seeking God's will about which of these two women I should plan on moving forward with. Yeah, and 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 you and you want to just, if, in my case, take off my glasses and just begin to bang my head on the desk hmm. because there there is there is no option for that behavior if one is thinking biblically about what marriage is and what the commitment is. And I could. I could multiply examples across spheres of life where, where uh, I have seen decision-making, courses of action. Certainly, by the way, mistakes that I have made when an area that I've not sought God's will deeply enough. If you want to know God's will, look in God's work. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be wise and consider life from the standpoint of what God thinks, you know, uh, you can't walk around in a WWJD bracelet saying you're going to do what Jesus would do if you don't know what he actually did. And the right. only place we have, the source for that, the place we go for all we need for life and godliness is the Word of God. Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, submitting ourselves to, to uh, God as he is, to Jesus as he is, is to submit ourselves to to the Bible. Yeah, and this is this is something that has always been a struggle I think for for Christians, but in our world as the culture continues to continues to get more non-Christian, uh, yeah. for lack of a better term, just very opposed to what we would value based on God's word, it it gets even harder for some folks to to think through decisions um, what's going on in the world around them, and having that lens of seeing it through Scripture versus, well, this is what everybody thinks. It must be the right thing to right, do. Right, right. Uh, and so I think this idea of think biblically could have been just as important 100 years ago, but maybe even more important today. The, the darker it gets, the more the light uh, is, is needed, needed, and the more it will show up when it shines. Right. And there are, there are so many input channels now speaking into the brains of, of the Lord's people, competing for their attention, competing to to um, calibrate their worldview and and influence their decision making. If we don't make a concerted attempt, if 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 the book of 
James doesn't regulate my behavior more than what I heard my favorite news commentator say right. yesterday, there's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, And, and a, I think I heard you say more than once that if uh, we made a bumper sticker with Think Biblically on it, you'd uh, be the first person. You know, I don't, to... I don't have bumper stickers on the old Kona. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, uh, but I think if I got one of those, well, I don't know about a bumper sticker because they need that icky residue. And it's, I, I, I know it's only a Hyundai, right. but it's my Hyundai. Uh, but certainly one of those static things for the rear the glass. Cling, I would clings, put a McGregor yeah. logo and a Think Biblically there. I, Hashtag I Think would. Biblically. Hashtag Think yeah. Biblically. Yeah. All right. So that's the first one. <laughs> Very important. The second one, live missionally what what do we what do we mean by that you know i think about the the paragraph in um second corinthians 5 the 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 ambassadorial paragraph mm-hmm. that assigns to us this ministry of reconciliation at its minimum and the way it's most often used to live missionally speaks to the idea of 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 what we would call missions as well as more localized evangelism telling people about jesus and that is absolutely the beating heart of what it is to live missionally. But it is not merely that. It is larger than that. Right. It, is, it is living life in the conscious awareness that this around us here is not, not only is it not our ultimate reality in the chronological sense, we, every Christian would admit we're headed someplace else. Mm-hmm. But what, what's a little bit harder to realize is we, we are already such that we belong somewhere else. And that our presence here is a matter of, of assignment, right. not a matter of residence. And that, that our lives are to be oriented. You know, if, if suddenly you got, a, you got a call from somebody way up high in the administration, I don't know how many calls you would get from our present administration, but if you did, and, and you were assigned out, what, what, uh, what country would you enjoy living in? You know, I've never talked about this. Italy. Okay, Italy, all right. Uh, and you are, you are to be the U.S. ambassador to Italy. They've, uh, they've decided they like you and mm-hmm. you like Italy, so sure. And there's an ambassador's residence somewhere, I assume, in, in Rome and an embassy and all that sort of stuff. You, you, you would go there and you would live among the Italians, but you would not be an Italian uh, and you would not forget that your whole purpose in being there is to represent the message, the intention, the values, the, the presence of the people of the United States of America as you walk around on the street in Italy. Mm-hmm. And that, that metaphor, ambassadors of Christ, is, is a metaphor that's used of us. So to live missionally is to remember that while we walk around on the streets of earth, we are not mostly at home here. We are on assignment here. Yeah. And that assignment, again, has as its heart the Great Commission and the, the process of telling people about Jesus and, and disciple-making. I love the, uh, the analogy of an ambassador because that just... It's clarifies picturesque that, yeah, as all get out. That everything around me is not my home. It's not my stuff. And it's your assignment. It's my assignment, yeah. And I'm a steward of Absolutely. whatever I do have in my Absolutely. And by the way, the U.S. ambassador to Rome probably enjoys a good Italian meal, yeah. probably loves the pasta. scenery and the music. And it's not that we have to you know, live as though we're wrapped in saran wrap and this world can't touch us. That's not effective ambassadorship. Right. We, we live in the world. We just don't belong to the world. And this one leads very nicely into the third one of giving generously, yeah. because as you realize anything that you quote possess is not really yours anyway, 
it becomes a lot easier to, to live with a generous heart. It really does. So second, give generously is a, is a third. Yeah, point. Second Corinthians 9 is sort of the, the, the chapter I think about in the New Testament where this value is most sort of fleshed out and articulated. Uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And, you know, I know for new believers who are, who are new to this mindset, who have just been liberated from seeing themselves as, as completely at home in this world, um, to, to reach the point where my relationship with my stuff is loose, just like living missionally certainly involves uh, evangelism proper and, and missions proper. It's a larger thing. Give generously certainly involves your support for your local church, and I'm glad uh, as one as one who who spends his life in a lot of context provided by the the generosity of God's people here at McGregor. But the the value is bigger. Mm-hmm. It has to do with my is my time available to others? Is my attention available to others? When I'm uh, when I'm in the fourth quarter of a basketball game that I'm watching on TV. And my uh, my wife, who has been bugged by the I don't know, uncarried out garbage, uh, asked me to carry the garbage out. I have in that moment a a a selfish response possibility or a generous response possibility that present themselves to me right in that moment. And living generously shows up all the way down in those intimate moments, just like that. Where am I gonna am I gonna be generous with my time, attention? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a mindset of an others directed, others available. My stuff, absolutely, but my time, my attention, my priorities. Am I am I going to hog all that is to be me, or am I going to have that be inside out and available to those whom I have the opportunity to serve? Yeah, it's the opposite of living selfishly. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, and again, it's certainly it includes money and material things, but it is to be seen in much larger terms than that as well. Yeah. The last one is love sacrificially. Yeah. So we knew we knew that that love would have to be in here. And I think you've already kind of see this as a little bit of a an oxymoron because well, redundancy. Or, or redundant, but a yeah. good redundancy because yeah. the redundancy just reminds us that any any good definition of love. Yeah. Uh, and and years and years ago, uh, and I, I I won't take credit for having coined this definition because I borrowed uh, I borrowed from a, a Greek lexicon for that matter the definition of agape. Um, polished it a little bit and and came up with a definition that I've used in the classroom and pulpit pretty consistently over Many probably also 15, 16 years. Of, yeah, have found along this with definition you, yep. helpful and it's it's unconditional self-sacrificial commitment to the well-being of another. Now. A couple things that does is it helps you be reminded of what love isn't. Um, love is not committed to the emotional state of another, right. and that's a really good thing. Um, we certainly care. We don't want to go around making people miserable, um, but it is not our first priority. Every every parent who's ever had to pull a splinter out of a child's finger while that, that child is writhing about in pain and screaming and protesting. But the splinter's got to come out or there'll be an infection and possibly even, you know, dramatically the loss of a finger or something. The splinter's got to come out. The kid doesn't want it to come out. Love takes out the splinter um, because the child needs that for his well-being. And, and so often in life that's required. But love, if we learn anything at all from, from Jesus, love, love bleeds. Love sacrifices, yeah. and um, it's interesting. This, you know, you, you pointed out that, that that giving generously sort of fits within living missionally. Well, loving sacrificially fits within giving generously, mm. 
because it is a generous thing to voluntarily participate in sacrifice, to say, look, I have, I have in this moment what would most benefit or please me, but I have in this same moment that which is of, of, of noteworthy value as a contribution to the well-being of somebody else. Right. I can serve somebody else with this moment uh, in, a, in a way, but, but, I, but I don't want to. Well, that's the entire point. The, the, the sacrificial character of that love will show up in, in service to others and in a genuine regard for, for what others own, so to speak. Yeah. Each of these four, just in the few minutes we've gone through them, you begin to realize just how wide and deep these, each of these two words can go yeah. uh, as far as how we would define them, how we would use them as a measure, how they would then be applied to our church, which kind of leads me into the next question is, okay, we've got this purpose statement. What do we do with it? How does it, how does it get fleshed out here at McGregor? And, and the irony of you asking me that question, uh, for your listeners who know, uh, Brother Mark, you, you head up our, our education ministry here, our age divided and, and segregated and vertical from cradle-to-grave age ministry. And that, that a consequence of that is much of the church's program and curriculum planning flows through you and your team, and, 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 I'm, and I'm glad and so it almost a lot of that comes back to you mm-hmm. and, and, and the team that you lead as you all flesh it out in terms of programmatic planning and curriculum planning and, okay, how do we do this differently in the preschool area and how do we articulate this differently in our Journey Together courses and all of that sort of stuff. Right. For me, it's, uh, again, not, not an intent to be revolutionary at all, but to point out um, as I... You know, as you and Chad, you and Chad, a few times during our conversation back in the the wet sort of wet clay formation of this thing, said, you know, you do, you do encourage people to think biblically, kind of, sort of, all the time. It's a it's a phrase and that, that, that comes out of your mouth yeah. a lot. <laughs> um, and and so interestingly enough, now I catch myself now that now that I have I have been called upon to to be intentional about about okay, guys, this is a moment where if we think biblically, we're going to approach this differently then the world would approach it, maybe even dramatically differently. And so to have those catch points where we go, wow, there's a, there's a, there's a fork in the road here where, where the opportunity to love sacrificially presents itself. And uh, as a bare minimum for, for me, and, and most of my, my teaching is in very broad, you know, almost pulpit width mm. places, to allow allow myself to not not let those moments pass quickly, but to grab those moments and say, look, there's there's something here that I really really don't want you to miss. That I'm certainly glad I didn't miss as as the Lord prepared me in studying this passage. Like even the um, the hot topic course you taught back a month or so ago, entitled "Thinking Biblically About Worry." Let's just call it what it is. We're going to look at worry and see what God's word has to say and learn yeah. how to think more biblically. Yeah, about. because the I, I think as I as I taught that night, I think uh, the foundation of much worry is is rooted in our relationship with an uncertain future. And one key is to think biblically about the future, and it's the, 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 the future is not uncertain. It is merely uncertain to me. Yeah. And if I trust the one to whom the future is, in fact, quite certain, maybe I can stand down my fretting a bit mm-hmm. because of thinking biblically. Yeah. Um, so. And it's been on my mind, too, 
you know, a teaching life group and, you know, something will pop up and I'll go, hey, wait a minute, here's a time to talk a little bit. Okay, how do we think biblically about this in light right. of what we've just studied and what's going on in our culture, what's going on in our world? And so I think that's part of this whole integration, just using this first one, think biblically. Maybe not so much changing curriculum as it relates to life groups uh, per se, but of training and equipping and right. encouraging those that lead those life groups. How do we help train those in our classes to think? And I say maybe the train's not the best word. Disciple, yeah, those yeah, bring them along on the journey. And, and you know, biblically. thinking of, of 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 generosity, giving generously. You know, if you're you're uh, Southwest Florida loves to eat out. And I'm certain not everybody in our congregation. I'm Gail and I are empty nesters, and and eating out is a very common part of our life. But I, uh, I think I think folks folks in our uh, podcast listening audience uh, that are Southwest Floridians probably eat out a lot. Do you have a restaurant like, recommendation you'd like to make? Man, we I, 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 see. <laughs> I like them all. I, I, like I, them I all. but but you go to you go out to eat, and and it's it's. Not uncommon that you you catch a, a, a waiter or waitress a server who's not having their best day, and and maybe they maybe they they miss something or maybe they get something wrong. In that moment, uh, sacrificial love and generous giving are going to very much affect how you respond to that poor flustered server who's not having a good day. You can either take the position, and you're not in sin, I don't suppose, except for missed opportunity. You can take the position, well, I came in here and this is my money and I've spent quite a lot of it and now my, you know, I asked for the loaded baked potato and this is mashed potatoes and now my head's going to explode and you're going to have to deal with it. You could, you could go that route. But if you uh, have, have come to be part of a body of Christ that is going to keep you reminded of the importance of loving sacrificially and more giving generously, that's the very server that you're going to absolutely overtip. And you're going to, and you're going to seek an opportunity to say, look, I, it seems that you're having a rough day. I want you to know I care about you. And if there's any way that I can, can help with your rough day, perhaps this is a way that I can help. So here's, here's a, a 50% tip instead of my usual 15 or 20, because it just appears to me you're having a, having a rough day and I want to be helpful. And those are things that can come out in whether it's personal testimonies, people sharing those uh, on podcasts like this, yeah. having people on, giving an opportunity to, to share. Because when I hear that example you just gave, I thought, okay, well, do I always respond that way when I get bad mm. service? Maybe not. Maybe I need to. And so that one little thing can help help disciple others to be more generous. So we have to go through and and that's that's kind of what's coming up next in this because we are rolling out the the, uh, the purpose statement in a very soft way right now. Right. Uh, just the fact this is probably the most intense look at it that they're going to have for several months is this podcast. Right, right. Because what's happening right now is that the ministries have taken this and they are beginning to work with their leaders. How are we going to integrate these measures into our our ministry? What's that going to look like? So, as I mentioned, for life group, you know, as far as adult life group leaders, how's how's that going to impact their their teaching and how we train new life group leaders, or even just encourage existing ones, or even even recruit in some mm -hmm. of the areas where where you have a perennial, um, and this is this is. Many many churches uh, working like with the very littlest people and in those areas like uh, children preschool. Yeah. Uh, if if a congregation will throw its arms around 
wait a minute, giving generously affects my conduct at church beyond just my relationship with the offering plate. Maybe, just maybe, I can have a more generous approach to how I spend some of my time on Sunday morning um, mm-hmm. because generously goes beyond money. Yeah. It goes to time and attention, effort, energy. And if uh, you know, if a room full of four-year-olds would benefit from my generous availability, that's yeah. a good thing. That's a great thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So for the, the rest of the spring and into the summer... That's what the ministries are going to be looking at. And when I say ministries, not just the educational discipleship ministries, but worship ministry, That's right. first impressions ministry, you know, closed closet ministry, all these different ministries around, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to name them all because I'll sure. forget some, but Absolutely. all these different ministries are going to have the time to begin to think, how is this going to impact our ministry area? Where can it retune? Where can uh, in, in many cases, I would suspect that McGregor, most cases, it's not going to be a, a lopping off no. of a bunch of stuff that's been going on or a, a gross, okay, here comes a whole new wheelbarrow of responsibilities, mm-hmm. but rather a, a re-attenuating, yeah. a, a let's make certain that we are very, very sharp in the why. Mm-hmm. A purpose statement helps you articulate the why and embrace the why and own the why, right. um, which I, I pray ours will help Clarify. Too why and what you're doing. Uh, So that's going to happen this summer. Now, in the fall, there's going to be a larger scale. I'm going to, I use the word rollout, but (laughs) you know, we're going to introduce it again, but on a, on a much larger scale and much more emphasis, much more sustained timeframe. So talk a little bit about what that might look like. Yeah, we don't, we don't do, and and folks who've been around McGregor long, I alluded earlier to our verse by verse through Amos, uh, we are, we are now into a verse-by-verse study of the Gospel of John that as of, of Easter will pass a year mm-hmm. uh, in the Gospel of John. We interrupted it for a couple of weeks at Christmas time, but otherwise we've not interrupted it. We, we plunge right through uh, Mother's Day. We'll mention Mother's Day, but we preach on the Gospel of John on Mother's Day and Father's Day and the Sunday before the 4th of July because... Uh, we don't interrupt our 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 verse by verse study of God's word lightly, but but this fall we will be we'll be coming to the end of the Gospel of John, and and at about that time we will be taking uh, four weeks as it, as it sits right now, and this is all still in the sketch format, uh, and looking at these measures and looking at them. Uh, biblically, remember right. uh, even even the idea of thinking biblically. Well, the Bible tells us about thinking biblically, right? So that's not redundant. But the the Bible also has so much to say about giving generously and loving sacrificially and living missionally that we'll be we'll be doing a and we haven't done a a topical series um, of this of this sort since we were doing a whole lot of topical teaching on ecclesiological matters back in 2016. It's been six years. And again, for some church members, that's yesterday. For some church members, that's, wow, that long ago. Mm -hmm. So we don't interrupt ourselves to go go into a topical series at the drop of a hat, only when we feel like we have something significant we want to say. Uh, and 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 generally things that very much bear down on the life of the church, right? And that will also coincide with ministries. Again, like you said, not major changes, but opportunities to 
change up, tweak their mm-hmm. strategies or plans perhaps as they go into the, the new school year for right. 2022, 2023, uh, as well as even allocating resources and different things. Absolutely. All to, and, and I think I've, the response I've heard from, from several of our staff and even from a few lay leaders is they like the idea of having what they'll, we're almost calling a framework mm-hmm. that keeps us on our rails that, okay, this is, this is where we're going to stay focused. This is what we're going to measure. This is, we'll look, we'll do other things, of course, but this is, this is the priority. And I think that will be very beneficial for our church to have that kind of focus and clarity moving forward. I, I pray and believe so. Yeah. Believe so. yeah. Uh, any, any last thoughts you want to, want to give us, uh, you know, our, a big, for me, a big takeaway, the, the church's purpose is assigned by God. Right. We're not saying that we have come up with a new purpose for our church. We've come up with a new statement mm-hmm. of a purpose that's existed since uh, the resurrected Christ gave us the Great Commission. Um, the, the values, the measures that are, that are baked into this statement have, have emerged in uh, these years as refrains that we have been touching upon again and again and again. Yeah. No wheels are being reinvented here. Uh, but this etches them out with a degree of, of clarity that will help them serve m- more effectively as that functional framework. And I think that's a really good thing. I, I agree completely. Well, thank you so much for stopping by and uh, going, a, going a little bit deeper with uh, this new purpose statement. And hopefully folks will take advantage of and listen. And I guess if they have any questions, as always, they can uh, send those. Russell.Howard at McGregor.net or Mark.Bricker at McGregor.net. And we'll be glad to do whatever we can. Well, this wraps up this episode of Here at Home. And uh, again, thank you, Russell, for joining with me today. And we want to thank our listeners also for joining. And hopefully, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Here at Home, this would be a great time to go ahead and subscribe because this is the preseason podcast before the real season gets going. And you don't want to miss a single episode. On the ground floor of great things. Of of season two. Yes, they can be (laughs) on the ground floor. Don't want to miss a single episode. All right, so thank you again for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks right back here at home.